The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. second time this thing and did me this way you're supposed to auto unmute me my bad what's good everybody it's your boy jay here with unfair sports where we take offensive approach to the sports conversation i'm your host jay thanks for pulling up here on the youtube channel as well as if you're listening to us wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here please like subscribe rate review give us five stars you think we deserve it just give us five anyway and gifted so on today's episode we got a lot of fun stuff got a couple of special guests as usual to join in and we're going to talk hardcore about recruiting the last three commits that we pulled up on as well as discuss um some potential silent commits and hopefully some players that may come down the line and we're gonna wrap this bad boy up and talk quarterbacks so let me bring in these guests that we have in here we got my boy coop joining us and we've got jason from hall of fame media what's going on everybody I mean, I'll go first. What's up? What's up? Hopefully we got the volume going, uh, man. It, it's, it, you got to think that eventually after post COVID, we, we, we know how to unmute ourselves. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if it's better now, if you unmute yourself and say some crazy stuff or you don't unmute yourself. And so it's like, it's like, you don't win either way. I feel, atta- uh, I feel attacked right now. Well, Jason, you should. I sense that he's doing this on purpose to just, you know, yeah. But yeah, I man, that was on me. I it's funny because the uh the video intro automatically mutes you, but I mute myself before to make sure I don't call for anything uh whenever I have it starting up and it just didn't unmute me. So yes. Second time it's happened to me, so y'all can laugh at me. I love when y'all give me crap about it. But hey, outside of that, man, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, man. This past week was good stuff for the Sooners. Three commit commits. We had your uh, your edge and then a running back and a wide receiver. And so, you know, we've got to jump in that. I want to get y'all's thoughts on um, those players making their commitments. And then we're going to talk about, of course, um, how it how what it looks like coming down the line. And like I said, we're going to talk quarterbacks. And so it's going to be a fun, fun, fun show. So Let's jump right into the main stuff, right? We got about 54 people here on the channel. Thank y'all for pulling up. We've only got like 16 likes, so go ahead and hit that like button. And if you're new, subscribe. So let's talk about the first player. We started off strong. On uh, Tuesday, I got uh, bored. No, I wasn't actually bored, but I did want to make a commitment. I went out and saw Xavier Robinson commit on that Tuesday night. So, Coop, when you saw that, X decided that he was going to go ahead and pull and be a Sooner, man. What was your thoughts? X going to give it to you. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I, here's what I love. You still hear p- people talk. I mean, AD is AD, so we're not going to even go there. Uh, but 
like you still talk about people when the first day that they saw P Ryan on campus as a freshman, uh, there's, there's someone tells a story about how he walks out and he was like, Oh man, whose dad is this? And he starts talking to him and he's like, Oh, my name's uh, Smash P Ryan. And, you know, and like, that is what we're going to see through Xavier Robinson. It's, it's going to be great. I mean, I, I look forward to it and sorry about the dogs. Obviously summer break. Uh, <laughs> it's better than not muting and the front door is literally right in front of the studio's office. And uh, so yeah, there you go. But I, always I, fun. I love, um, I love the guy's feet. Um, this is, I mean, this is still a kid. And so he comes in and he gets on that Schmitty train and he gets Schmitty built. He's going to get refined and it, it, he's going to be like, uh, you know, just running steel and it's going to go well with who else is going to be coming on. 100%. I agree. Jason, when you saw that man coming down the line, we talked about it. We knew it was going to come down. What you think? What you, what you, what you feel? Man, and you were saying, I kept telling people on my live stream last week how you were talking about this could be one of those guys that's one of the all-time greats. And I was like, man, that's a bold statement. That is a bold statement. But the more I've watched his film, it it, it really does look like, well, I think speed-wise, it, it doesn't jump off of the screen at you, but it's because he's so big and he loves contact, right? It just seems like he enjoys kind of waiting on the guy so he can pop him with that stiff arm or, you know, kind of run right through him. I think that Xavier Robinson is going to be, yeah, the X going to give it to you. He's going to hit you. He's going to hit you again. And I just think he's – the more I keep looking at the entirety of all the commits, you know, you look at the commits from the 23 class, you look at the commits from that we've got so far on this new 24 class, and they all just kind of seem to be real similar in some way. They all love the game. They, they, they seem to just love contact. And you, I mean, I don't know. It's just I, I, you're starting to to see a real pattern with some of these guys. You know, when you start looking at at Wyatt Gilmore, that dude seems to be out of the play, and next thing you know, he's making the tackle. You know, he because he just the pursuit never stops. So it's again, none of these guys they seem to shy away from any kind of contact whatsoever, which which you gotta love because you know uh, finesse is probably about how I would describe. Oklahoma over the last 10 years or so, but uh, yeah. not so much coming up, I don't think. No, and I agree with you there. We, we've, we've been a pretty finesse squad over the last few years. I mean, we've had quarterbacks that basically go out, win Heisman, and just about, quote-unquote, win games for us. And so um, it's one of those where you're like, eh, you know, what, 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 what are we going to look like if, if we don't have a quarterback that's a world beater? And we kind of saw that this past season. Uh, we, 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 we learned very – very quickly, but the good thing about it, like you mentioned, watching X Man, and I did say that. I said I, I, I feel like he could potentially be a great long term, and it's more so because of his his size and his ability, and he's a lot faster than what most people think. When I saw him uh, at the commitment, I was asking him, I was like, "Hey man, how big are you now? Like, like what are we looking at, man?" I was like, "Now you've been working out because you know my son goes to Carl Albert, and whenever I drop him off, I see X Rob." walk you know i see them the, the football team walking around i'm just like dude you you've been in there against games he's like yeah man i'm trying to you know i'm trying to slim up i'm like okay slim up and then i saw an article came out and somebody posted it in my uh in one of the comments on the video they're like yeah he, he was saying that he's like maybe 215 he's trying to get down to 210 215 playing weight and i'm just like wait him bro Ooh. Bro. <laughs> like so because because all of us assume the p ryan slash um 
H-back type role, Dimitri Flowers is someone I heard. And I've, and I've heard yeah, a few yeah. people even mention Marcus Dupree. And that's kind of where the all-time great came in when I a heard. few people are watching him. They're like, the way he plays, you could see some Dupree out of him. And I'm like, that's right. a dang good point. I didn't even really think of when I got didn't go that far back. More so, it was a lot. You know, a lot of young folks don't really know who Dupree was and how much of a beast he was. But seeing him, I was like, okay, I can mm. see that. And so when he told me that he's pushing at a four or five forty, he's he's trying to trim it. Man, ain't no way he's gonna play no H back. <laughs> ain't no way. But it's not fair to be once they beef him up four or five, bro. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, man. About three star. I don't get that at all. Right. My 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 thought is. You know, we talk about business decisions all the time, and this dude comes running out, and you hear about this four. You know, let's let's just call it a four-five flat, two twenty coming around the corner, and you're a safety or like an undersized Big Twelve linebacker. Uh, you know that ain't gonna happen. It, you, we won't be in a Big Twelve, so let's go ahead and uh, strike that from the record. So, but you will be. Uh, I mean, making business decisions for corners, like, come on, like, are you gonna run up? You gonna run up and be like, yeah, I got this, I got this. Yeah. I've seen too many Derek uh, Henry clips on uh, on YouTube. Right, exactly. I'm I'm not trying to run up and get hit by any of that by any stretch of the imagination. But straight up, man, too, Jay, that's the other thing about it. So, and you know, I I saw in here that um, Brian said Eddie George. I think that's a great comp because that long yeah, stride. It awesome. doesn't look like he's going that fast. The next thing you know, he's running away from you. Yeah, exactly. At 100. And he likes to run over people, which is great yeah. because I think my favorite, outside of him grabbing the dude and tossing him, my second yeah. favorite video of his is when he was running. It's, it's the first It's the first uh, highlight on his uh, huddle film. And of course, I showed it in the videos. Go watch. You go back to the to the the videos I created on X, and you can see it. But he's running down the sideline, and the corner is really trying to run up on him, and he's just just like, no, he just mushes yeah. his face into the ground. I'm like, yeah. I just love the violence, man. Like that's everyone mentioned in here. So, yeah, y'all are right. Um, violence is what we're getting. We're going to jump into Wyatt next, but give me a second to do some greetings. David, what's good? Thank you for pulling up, Kim. What it do? Thank you so much, Mars James. You always pulling up. We appreciate it. And yes, Hank, I always mute me, but we don't need a mute button for you at all. What's up, Matt? Thank you so much for pulling up, uh, Seth. What it do, man? Thanks a bunch. Also, thank you for being a member. We appreciate the support to the channel. We're gonna grow this bad boy. We're gonna do some special stuff. But I did see somebody hit me with a question. Seth did that. I think we want to jump on before we jump into why it is. The turnip seed resignation. Uh, I've been reading a bunch on this, and I think that that's probably a good spot to jump into real quick. Um, what I'm seeing on it around is just, it seems like it's just a conflict of thoughts, I guess you could say. Now, it looks like that has put together a fantastic proposals around the new facilities that's going to be coming down. Things like a two- 200 to 250 million dollar project that's coming new facilities and everything new athletic building i know a lot of you have seen the video that's been floating around on this and so it just looks like he says that he's resigning to spend more time with his family which right i'm correct his kids are in high school now and it's getting to that point where they're about to be out the house 
totally understand that, you know, because once they're gone, they're gone. You lose so many, so much, so many percentages of time with your kids once they hit about 12 to teenage years. Like it, it's just, they've got other priorities. And so because of that, he may want to spend time with them. He's probably wanting to start a business. He did big stuff at Bama, big stuff at Clemson. And I could totally see him saying, uh, do I really want to work for another AD or do I, would I prefer to do my own thing? That's my assessment on it. It kind of seems like he's probably going to want to try to start his own business and, you know, probably work with the Sooner staff, but not be underneath somebody. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what my thoughts were. What, what, what We'll start with you, Jason. What, what, what was your thoughts when you started that turn of seed, decided to uh, bounce on your boy? You know, I, just being honest with you, his his salary being so low is what kind of I was like three hundred thousand really yeah I, yeah you know, crazy assistants getting a million dollars a lot of times you know and it just seemed I, I'm not gonna act like I know a whole lot about this because I don't but it, it I know that Joe C likes to do things the way he likes to do it and and you cannot have too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to building things and stuff like this I mean I've had businesses in construction and and you know home theater and things like that you get a lot of people with a lot of ideas going and the next thing you know you got somebody pissed off you know because it's not exactly the way they were thinking it was and it just to me that that salary spoke that he didn't have a whole lot of power bv may have been calling him his right hand man when it came to that kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. as far as the rest of them were concerned it doesn't seem like that's the case Uh, i just i mean and maybe he's made a lot of money over his career, but I don't know how you can keep a guy interested when there's guys that are, you know, on that staff somewhere along the way that are making quite a bit more money than that, right? Uh, you know, right? I don't know. If you're the right hand man, I would think that that's equivalent to a coordinator. And coordinators make a million bucks, man. You know what I mean? It's just weird. He's making a third of that. And that's, and I mean, it's fair. I mean, he's what chief of staff and all of that. Cool. Yeah. What what jumped out to you on all of that? I mean, I think that uh, this isn't nothing, but it isn't that big of a deal. Um, again, like you know, people are looking, uh, people are looking after last season to find out like, why is this not going to work? Right. Uh, I've seen a lot of people with like the I'm ready to be heard again, you know, memes and stuff like that. Um, but I will say this, and I, and I agree 100%. Like, you're making 300 grand. Um, and there's, a, you know, some people have made comments about, you know, he had a, he has a construction company and construction history. So, what if there were certain things that weren't being, uh, you know, I don't know, followed up with or certain, you know, unspoken thoughts? You know, I thought this, well, we thought this. Um, and again, so, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think everybody needs to find a new excuse. Then I got to go spend time with my family because you, you, everybody keeps on using that. And most of the times that's not, that's not the case. You know, it, it just, it just isn't now sometimes it is, but when it's always, there you go. So I will say this is um, Josie has a track record that is extremely, extremely long of doing the right thing, making the right moves, getting stuff in here. I believe what Brent Brent Venables is doing is, 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 is right. So that being said, um, I'm going to trust in the guys that, you know, I I believe in and uh, I will, we'll see what happens because uh, I feel like in, in, and Jay and brought this up. I feel like six and seven has made a lot of stuff look the way it really isn't. 
No, and you're right. We talked about that. We're definitely going to dive deeper into that in a little bit, especially as we talk about more of the class. But last thing is on, on it to me is, is that, I mean, Jason, you make a good point. If he, with his background and Kim actually uh, posted this in here, he has a, you know, executive management and construction and he's got, he has a master's degree in that, you know, and he's known for that. So maybe he's like, I'm a step back from being underneath but I'll come in as a consultant and y'all can still run this project on the back end and nobody really needs to see my face in the offices. You know what I'm saying? I will hold their feet to the fire. I'll follow up on things for you. I will, I'll run the project just not as your employment and you pay me a hefty consultant fee. And to be honest, that's probably a really good way to go. <laughs> that's probably a really good way to go. So um, kudos to him. Thank you. You've done so many things for the school in preparation to the transition to the SEC. All the facilities and stuff are done. I think we'll be fine long term with that. And so let's go back to these players. Let's look at, let me bring us this direction instead. Yeah, let's go to that banner. Uh, all right, let's take a gander at the next guy. Wyatt Gilmore, which that came on the 28th, which was Wednesday. We thought it was coming. So, yeah, y'all yeah, probably seen all the writings all over the interwebs. If you're if you're a member of any of the sites, that there was going to be a commitment potentially on Monday. I think Brandon Drum mentioned it, and a lot of people got yeah. excited, of course. And it didn't happen. I believe this was why. I believe that was him, because then Wednesday we get it, and and we knew it wasn't Xavier because he had mentioned it wasn't Xavier. So why Gilmore, big time edge out of Minnesota. I can't believe we actually got him to come out of Minnesota. I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, Cause he had a lot of, he had a lot of power five schools going after him. Oregon. I think he had an Oregon visit lined up that he canceled. Um, he had a couple of sec schools wanting to go after him as well. I think that he is a long-term big piece to the team. Coop, what was your thoughts when you saw uh why Gilmore pull up? Dan Cody. Um, you know that that's what that's what he reminds me of. Um, and uh, again, between Chavis uh, and, and Brent Venables, the, these guys out here, I mean, they're they're coming in. You know, you can't have every single recruit uh, be like a day one starter. You got to have some guys that can come in and have some tools. A guy like Grayson Holton, if you've seen his tweet, uh, you know, is six, two sixty up to two ninety. Um, we all didn't feel too hot about Grayson Halton, uh, you know, at 260 defensive tackle. Now this dude's sitting here at at 290. And you put these guys under Schmitty for a season, it is going to be uh, – I mean, it's going to be fire. So I, I'm excited. This guy's got a motor. Um, he's got some uh, violence with his hands. Um, and, again, he's used to playing up in Minnesota in cold. And if you watch Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, any of these football teams, that they've got – local line talent everywhere. And so he's going up against some of these guys. And so I, I, I like the Minnesota thing um, just because again, the, the, if we can keep recruiting streams coming from all over the place, um, that's never a bad thing. That's true. Jason, when you saw Wyatt decide that he's going to be a sooner because of these defensive line coaches, what would jumped out to you? <laughs> I wanted to go look at him a little bit more because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen a ton on him, but, and I'm not as, as crazy with this recruiting stuff as some of you guys are, but I tell you, the more I watch his film, 
He's a bully, man. This guy loves contact again. This is another one. It's again, it's the same type of player that you continue what whatever position they may be at. None of these guys are shying away from any kind of contact whatsoever. But it also seems like he has a real high football IQ, which I think is really important. You know, you want some of them dogs that are just see ball, hit ball, you know, but yeah. you also want to see some of these guys that they're not going to over pursue. And that's what I kind of see a lot from with White. It, it seems like he's out of the play an awful lot of times. And the next thing you know, he's the one making the tackle. You know, somebody's got to cut back. He just never stops. So um, those are the kind of guys that you want to continue seeing. Even I've kind of looked at some of the tape whenever, you know, he plays a lot of H-back tied in and makes blocks. And it's just like he waits, 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 waits. Boom, he makes that hit, you know, on that on the block, you know, wait until he wants to make sure to make the right block, right? And right. so uh, you see a lot of uh, – it's just a lot of high football IQ is the way I kind of look at it because he seems to mm-hmm. kind of like a point guard. You see the whole court, right? He's seeing everything in front of him, not just whatever's happening within two or three feet of him. And it's just – I think that he's – uh He's going to be – he's a big kid, man, big old kid, and he's just – but he moves smooth. Again, it just doesn't look like he's running that fast, but he's he's definitely pursuing at all times, and it seems like he just makes a lot of plays. That edge rush that he seems to come up with, too, is killer, man. I mean, he, he's he got some great hands hand movements and, and some moves that he can get around guys or go right through them, but I like the fact that instead of trying to go through him because he's bigger than most of those guys, he was beating him with his hands and his footwork, and that was something that was uh, impressive to me. No, I'm with you on that one. And watching him play tight end, I think, jumped out to me the most, too. When I saw him yeah. make some catches and run up the sideline, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this dude's got some dips on him. Well, <laughs> and that's what, right, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want. That's what you want. He can scoot. That, that's, yeah, that's never a negative when it comes to uh, an edge, especially the way they're going. So, um Last one. We got to flip. We got to flip. We got to flip. Ivan oh. carry on. The big 6-6 wide receiver at Odessa, Texas. Uh, Emmett Jones did what he does best. He And this is the funny part. Emmett recruited him and co- got him to commit in November of last year before he took uh, – of 2022, at the end of the season, he commits Tech. And then – you know, Emmett changes jobs. We had the conversation. And it was funny because in one of my videos, actually the video I was talking about our guy, uh, one of the tech fans is like, he's committed 100% to tech. He ain't going nowhere, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just laughing like, bro, I don't know if you know, but Emmett Jones did commit, yeah, he did recruit him. This four-star wideout, I think he wants to play for Emmett. He wants Emmett to send him to the, jump, send him to the, to the league. And because of that, boom, my man flips. I'm excited because he's fast enough. I don't think he's 4-4 speed. He's probably closer to 4-5. But at his size, he's a target that's going to be hard to defend. You've got to have, got to hope you have a big enough corner to play against him. And it makes me think about when we played Florida State in the bowl game and how Johnny uh, Wilson was out there just, you know, kind of getting abusive at the end of the game because they just started using his height. They said, screw it, throw it up and let the big dude get it. Mm-hmm. And I think now we've got a guy that's not a tight end that can do that. He can just outrun a lot of your linebackers while being just the biggest dude in the field. And so, uh, Coop, you saw Ivan, man. How'd you feel about that commitment, man? If you have been watching football at all over the past 10, 15 years, how many times did we have a 5'8", 5'9", 5'11", defensive back going out there against – 
dudes who were 6'4", 6'5", and they were reaching back up over, grabbing and, and just rolling, you know, just, just mugging our guys. And again, like you said with the Johnny Wilson piece, like, uh, yeah, you know, so I, I do not care about um, – I do not care about – Anything with his offer list or anything like that, he's out of Odessa, Texas, which is dang near Mexico. And so you just got to understand, we got a big dude and people are going to know his name here before too long. And uh, the, the the name parody or the name situation, carry on my wayward son. Um, I, I, I just I just I love it. And, I, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Right, and I love some of the questions like, like David asking here. I'll tell Jaden Gibson, and of course, it's popped in from Jason. Gibson is about six five and a half, if I'm correct. So he's he's probably closer to six six. But yeah, he's a giant. Nick Anderson is six four. Uh, JJ Hester is six four, which I, he right. looks like he's getting healthy again. Um, and then Farouk is six three. So you've got a lot of giants. And I think uh, Andrew Anthony is six two ish or six three. So you got a whole bunch of tall dudes on the edge, right? I gotta, I gotta confirm that with Andrew Anthony. I forgot how tall he is. Let me check on him because it didn't seem like that was right, but it's. But anyway, it six one. Yeah. He's six one. He's listed as six one. So he's probably six one, probably close to six two. So yeah, six one. Andrew Anthony, six three. Jalen Farouk, six four. Nick Anderson, six five and a half, six six. Jaden Gibson, six four. Um, six four. JJ Hester, and then six six. Ivan Carrion coming in next season, and so a bunch of. Really, really tall players. And so, Matt, it's a good question, uh, Whiskey, on this one. These tall receivers be better than what we saw with Dallas, Todd, and, uh, and Jeffrey Mead. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't I don't even think – of course, none of us really know what the outcome is going to be. Um, I'm hoping that Emmett Jones can develop them into really standing out. You know what I'm saying? I think I got a little bit more trust in Emmett Jones and what he's been able to do because he's been a part of some bullet in the call finalists with what he did at tech. So we'll just kind of go from that and jump balls. This is what I'm looking at is the jump balls, yeah, mm-hmm. the jump ball ability that David just mentioned as well Mom. as what baby Ben said is the Moss and ability just catch it over people or just, just catching it. Just, the, the larger target's going to help, especially going into the SEC, because you're going to see some bigger corners, bigger safeties, and all of that. Um, and just like Kim mentioned, he is definitely that dude. And so we've got a lot more talking when it comes to going to the SEC and what's going to happen. And Kim asked this question. I want to make sure I jump into this before we move into potentials. Are we going to get paid from ESPN? Yes, we're going to get paid a lot. And honestly, that's why you saw that movement at ESPN. Disney was cutting cost, and they have a lot of highly paid talent there. I went and did some digging on it to look it up, and that's, that's right. why you saw all those names go. They they were a lot of people were highly compensated. Basically, opens up an era for you know new talent to come in, and they're prepping for all these TV deals because those TV deals are expensive. They're going to pay all those TV rights out. And then they got to bring in, they're going to probably try to bring in young talent to try to uh, cut cost while also still br- hopefully providing a quality product. But I think we'll be fine, especially because ESPN does a good job when it comes to the uh, SEC all the time. And oh, look who decided to show up. The number hey. four man, Chris with a cave and horns down podcast. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Not much. Just trying to make it through these last. Uh, what we got, what about 
little bit over 50 days, a little bit over 60 days, right? Until football. 57 yep. days, bro. I think it is. <laughs> roughly, roughly, roughly. And so we've got a lot of uh we've been we've been talking about the three commits. I'll give you to state the table now to kind of get your thoughts out before we jump into who's coming down the line. But you had Xavier Robinson come up first, and you had Wyatt Gilmore follow right behind him, and then we got the flip of Ivan Carry on. What's your thoughts? Um, my 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 first thoughts about the wide receiver uh flipping from tech is I think he's going to be a flex tight end. I think he's a guy mm-hmm. that you uh, that you bring in. And I'm not sure if he sees the field maybe in the first or even uh, maybe the second year, probably latter part of the second year. Mm-hmm. reason why I say that is not because of talent, but because in that flex tight end position, I don't think they're going to ask him to do the same things that they would be asking like a Braden Willis or guys like that to be doing as far as getting down dirty and trying to block. But I think that he's a guy that needs to put on some weight. I don't necessarily think that you can, uh, he needs to get in the weight room and, and, and be solid at that. I know that we could, we could sit, we could sit here and draw comparisons between him and uh, Jaden Gibson, but I still believe that they're two different players. But um, as far as the other commits or whatnot, I think the running back out of, uh, out of Carl Albert, he could possibly be the best out of the bunch that you get, that you possibly could get, you know, with Durham and Tatum as well. Um, all around back, just a guy that is just really solid. And then, like I said, I, I think that getting him in there and turning kind of that that baby weight that he has, that country strength, getting in there with Schmitty and actually, you know, like kind of fine-tuning that, that's going to pay dividends as well. Um, but also, I think for me, uh, really interested in a kid out of Minnesota, uh, the DN that is a that's a solid pickup. You go right into Big Ten country and you get a kid that obviously you've done your own evals on. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about him because I think that's the that's the first of many to come. And I think that in this D line class that we could potentially have, it's going to be interesting to see who really kind of pops out at first because I wouldn't be surprised if it's not some of the, the bigger names that you hear that are actually, you know, popping out and getting a lot of rave reviews, especially going into, you know, winter, winter, uh, winter workouts and then, you know, spring ball as well. Okay. Okay. We like, we like, okay, let's move into the bigger conversation that I know everybody in the chat wants to talk about. I wanted to give us the first 30 minutes to show excitement about who we just, just won, but now we've got to talk about what everybody cares about the trenches. We've got a lot of recruits in the in limbo right now. And the big question that's come down the line on here is been this. Who's commits next? <laughs> Any rumors around Williams Winery, as well as Matt asking who's gonna commit next. So we're gonna talk about who I think is gonna commit next, as well as rumors around the line. But this is the one I want to point out. Seth asked this question. Wyatt Gilmore hinted at a huge D-line guy committing, and Bates retweeted it. Makes me feel like Winery and Stone are on board. So we're going to talk about our thoughts on that because here's a tweet that we saw from our guy recently, right? Wyatt Gilmore, can't wait for the world to see who is going to join me on a 24-karat power line and of course i tweeted out a picture of power line doing his dance from the goofy movie because that's the only power line i know about but at the same time if we've got a nice power line coming oh boy that's going to be huge and so obviously obviously 
Wyatt knows something. And Nessus mentioned this too when he did his uh, commitment that there was a lot of talk about silence, that he got there's a, there's a lot of silence that you just don't know about yet and they're prepping. And so we're gonna look at um we're gonna look at this power line. Now, some people were looking at this image and they think they can figure out some of the people on here. I don't know. So let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Let's get to the nitty gritty and the conversation around this or whatnot. Jason, talk to your boy. Who you think's next on the defensive line to commit? Oh, man. Don't get me lying, man. I like I know. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'd love to see. Uh, yeah, Lloyd comes in and says could be McKinley. Maybe. I, I, I honestly feel like I'm not sure that it's going to be Stoney just because, you know, he seems to be coming in and going, uh, saying a lot of stuff like, hey, I haven't committed nowhere yet. I'm still traveling around and looking around and stuff. And it seems like he's getting a little antsy. Although we do know that he loves to troll people on Twitter too. So that, that could be a smoke screen. I, I think that the way that I took that tweet was that it's not just going to be one. It's going to be two or three. And it's the three guys that I think that we've been talking about all along. I think it's Nigel Smith. Uh, JJ was talking about how, uh, you know, uh, Aaron, oh, gosh, what's his name from the from the Rams was was keep saying Aaron Donald yeah Aaron Donald keeps saying Nigel is going to Oklahoma he's going to Oklahoma oh wow uh, really yeah listen and that's and Nigel had went and worked with with him there in Pittsburgh a, a few times and so uh they I think that they felt like they had an opportunity with him at first they keep saying it it seems to them like that's where Nigel's going to be I don't I've never really come off of the of the idea that Stoney's going to do it and then from what we're hearing, it doesn't sound like Winnery had the greatest visit to Georgia. And um, it, I've heard from a, a couple of different places that as far as NIL money is concerned, they're not really close at Tennessee or Georgia to what OU is, hmm. is planning to pay him, which is kind of weird to me. But um, Yeah, I would have never thought that. Never, never expected to hear those words. But no, me neither, at all, at all. And I've heard it twice, you know, from from – you know, high end, high level guys that, that seem to, ha, you know, have their finger on the pulse of this stuff. So it's, I, I still feel like it's those three guys. I think Dominic McKinley is a possibility, you know, because of the, some of the stuff that I've heard from different places there too, you know, down in South Texas and some of that kind of stuff. But I think he also, they also do like UT a little bit. So we're going to have to kind of wait and see where that's at. But I think those three guys, it's the guys that I think, I know this group has locked in on those three guys as the guys that we kind of feel like are, are the closest to going to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still kind of right there with that, but I, I'm, I've always thought that Stoney was going to end up being a sooner anyway. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, what you feeling on that? You know, I kind of had to piggyback off of, uh, off of what Jason said, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not going to fall for this picture. Obviously that could be anybody. And, you know, but, uh, <laughs> at the same time, you know, those are the, those are the things, I mean, hearing about that Georgia trip and that now I didn't hear that it didn't go well, but I, I heard that, you know, at least you don't have to sit there and try to fend off serious, you know, Com commitment a serious commitment from you know when they early on to like you know georgia or whatnot um i feel confident about this d-line class I, I really do i think at the end of the day nigel smith and uh and stone 
I think that, um, you know, McKinley is kind of one of the outliers, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I do think you're going to go. I mean, the expectation from the get-go has always been that we we're going to have a pretty – we're going to take a, a high number of D-line uh, guys in this class. So I don't think anything is going to change. I think that's still going to happen. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about getting closer to uh, to the season because, you know, in August, we're in July now. So August next month and in September, uh, mid-September, um, I, I see a lot of early commitments or whatnot. I think July is going to be a month that pops off for us. And I mean, hell, you know, 4th of July is uh, on Tuesday. And then, you know, you got this yep. week as well. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if if this week is the week that we finally see um, our fireworks. No pun intended. Uh, but <laughs> That's a fair point. Cool. What you looking at with this? Um, let's, uh, I'm going to answer this question in, in a very political way is if you're worried about commitment numbers, even after like these, the, the, like before this three that just came out, um, I went back and did the numbers and we're, we're ahead of where we were last year. And then the three hit and now we've got, um, you know, tonight Samaj is, is, is committing. I don't really feel OU on that one, but, uh, you know, that that's an opportunity my opinion is, is Devin Mitchell's coming to OU. My discomfort is when this, you know, is he going to reclassify or not? So uh, I think he's coming, but when we get down to that uh, defensive tackle, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to try to like stare at people's silhouettes and do this. I'm not really good at that game just in general. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that stone knows what he's doing. And I think that everybody else knows what stone's doing. Um, I think that OU gave him full clarity to go out and just enjoy the process. Hey, we're here. We know what you are. And uh, it's we're looking at uh, him doing a lot of recruiting. And uh, I mean, you just they were talking about during the barbecue that instead of guys going back to the uh, hotels or going back to the rooms and, you know, talking to folks, they were all hanging out. There's too many. There's too much smoke around these defensive linemen getting together and saying, Hey guys, you know, that what we, what we could do, you know, what we could do. And uh, so I'm going, uh, I mean, like Jason was saying, it's the guys that we've been talking about the whole time. Uh, I think that uh, when areas, I think he's coming. I think Nigel Smith's coming. I think stone's coming. And then we start playing games with, uh, you know, a Jake Jackson, or McKinley and I we're going to have some uh some I just kind of feel bad because somebody in here is going to be rooting for this nine guys coming in and they're going to end up number nine and so uh but we can't just have two really good defensive linemen in the SEC you you got it your second team has to be able to be better than what we've had here recently yeah and that's so interesting to me even hearing that Kim even posted this here Georgia stated oh you as an ideal that would be hard to match and so let's talk about Winery real quick on that Georgia piece. I was on the um, the Fizzle Friday with uh, Parker Thune. And the one thing that jumped out to me about the Georgia visit was this. It was an unofficial, it's a couple of things. One thing, it was, unoffic- it was unofficial. He kind of went, his brother had a birthday party in Atlanta and he went up to Athens on Sunday. 
He wasn't there for very long based upon the way the timeline looked. He was probably there about two, three hours. Sounds like that was a negotiation piece on their part. Like, hey, look, let us put a package in front of you. Let's talk about it, and you can make your decision from there. When he left, not a single Georgia person put in a prediction of him going to Georgia. Nope. That, to me, told me, okay, that, that, that wasn't, even as an unofficial, which is what terrified everybody, if they don't have anybody putting in with confidence that they think he's going to Georgia, that tells me I don't think he's going to go to Georgia. I think that we're going to end up winning him. Other thing to remember that is that PJ uh, Adebowale had committed on July 10th. I thought it was August, but I forgot he's a July guy. July 10th is when he committed. Right. I can totally see Winiri doing the same thing. Between now and the party at the Palace, putting his commitment in and focusing only on high school football his senior year. I can totally see it. I know that X Rob is going to be an early enrollee. I anticipate that uh, Winery would be the same. To answer the question that populated from you, um, Jason, Maj did just commit to Cincinnati at six o'clock. Yeah. So he is a Bearcat. And unfortunately, did I ask that question? We didn't get him. You had mentioned it. You said he's committing oh. today. We didn't know when, where he was going. And I just looked it up, and boom, it showed that he was going to. Over there, that was mentioned in that. Actually, I forgot. I actually, it yeah, probably was Coop. My bad. Yeah. 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 All right, one of the two. <laughs> but he did just commit. He's going to Cincinnati. So unfortunately, we won't have the two quarterbacks in the class to go. I think it was more of a sure. We'd love to have them, but you know, if we don't get them. We don't get them. I don't think anybody's truly upset that we don't have him. Um, coming is more of a, it'd been great to have the two quarterbacks just to have depth. Competition. Depth and competition because DG leaves, that'd be, Bevel will be gone as well. You're, you're, you're running low on quarterbacks and you never want to have the situation we had last year. But I digress. Based upon what Gilmore is saying with all of this, man, I don't think it's Stone. I don't see Stone committing this early. He can shock me, though, because I know that he's supposed to go back to Florida mid-July to start training because he mentioned about how he doesn't think he's going to make it to the party at the Palace because of that. So that's always a possibility. But I could see Winiri being the next person in line to commit on the defensive line. I think that he'd be the one, personality-wise, you could tell because he didn't do very many interviews. He's going to make his decision, get it done, and then you don't hear from him until he does a big ceremony in December to sign, just like PJ did. And with the relationships, I saw PJ tweeted out to him to go ahead and come. I saw Grayson Helton do the same thing. Well, Grayson Helton tweeted it, PJ retweeted it, and quote tweeted it and said, come on, or something like that. And being from KC, of course, they have the relationship. I, If there's anybody next on the defensive line, I'm going to say Winiri mainly because the tea leaves really look like it's pointing towards him. When I saw those tweets, I was like, oh, this this is calculated. It's got to be. And so if the 4th of July, we get explosions, there you go. Um, that's it as far as defensive line. We won't see anything from Nigel Smith until September. So if anybody's curious about that, he will not commit until I think either the second or the third week of September. That's when they have the new um, facilities. So – I wouldn't expect that to happen until then. Um, but, yeah, that's about it on that one. I think we had a statement here around Michael. Michael Patterson, July 31st. I think it's the 31st. Is it 31st? 30th or 31st? One of the two. It's the 31st. 31st. I'm sensing that he is. He'll be here as well at the end of the month. 
But if we go to the next one, the next date, official date that we have is one that y'all all have been talking about in the in the comments that some people may not have recognized. I'm gonna find it real quick because I forgot to start. Uh boom 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 boom. Give me just a second. I'm gonna do it. Actually, I want to point this out too. This is a good one here. Eric posted this over there on Hall of Fame Media. I just got the lowdown on Daniel Collie. Top two are Oklahoma and Texas with Tennessee and LSU following. Texas is offering him a Dodge Demon and some cash. Oklahoma <laughs> visit coming soon. Really? Dodge Demon and some cash. That a boy. Love it, Eric. That. that is that Daniel Collie or dope. Spitzer Rattler? <laughs> <laughs> that, but hey, I would love to add him too because – we need as many of them going into the SEC as possible just because I think it goes good for what we're trying to do. All right, here's the person y'all been mentioning. Dalton asked this question. Interested about Mitchell. Mitchell is a sooner from Seth. When is he going to reclassify? I anticipate Mitchell, Devon Mitchell, the Miami hype started. There was a lot of Miami hype that hit the field the last week after he did a visit. I don't know how real it is because I don't recall seeing an insider throw something in on it yet. And there's an insiders have thrown some stuff on divine Mitchell, Oklahoma already. I don't see it. And Parker actually mentioned it on that uh, space on Twitter about him that there might be a small amount of smoke, but he doesn't think it's real. And I think he has the best sources. He has a good relationship with Michael Hawkins um, and their family. And I know that his dad is on campus often. So since that's the case, mm-hmm. I don't I think that Divine Mitchell is next, which is on July eighth. That's the one to keep your eyes out for. Chris, who you think's next? Uh you know what I was thinking about Devon Mitchell, honestly. Um um not not for this question, but I was just thinking about his commitment uh coming up because you know that's the one thing I keep thinking about with, with Miami. Who the hell is going to be a quarterback? Because, I mean, all those Florida schools keep – well, not all the Florida schools, but two out of the three main Florida schools keep shuffling quarterbacks if you if you see what's going on, right? Um, but as far as who's next, man, I would honestly say probably Winnery, in my, my, my opinion. You would – I mean, common sense would tell you that he should be stoned, but at the same time, I mean, I think that he's – He's liking the attention. He's liking the yeah. – just kind of dragging it on or whatnot. We talked about this these past few weeks, Jay. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are wanting to have big family events, big family gatherings and make this, you know, a uh, CB, CBS, uh, you know, HQ Sports, whatever. They, they, they want to turn into a spectacle, and rightfully so. This is a big moment for them, so they they get to do that. Um, a guy like Winnery um, – I, I, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, I, th- I thought that, you know, Nigel Smith, you don't hear too much about his recruitment because I think that a lot of people are just really and truly confident about, you know, him coming to OU. So you would think that a, a guy like him or, or would Nary would be the ones who would go ahead and pull that trigger. But mm-hmm. uh, right now I'll just, I'll probably say with Nary to be honest with you. That's a good one. Jason, who you think's next? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Williams Winery as well, you know, and the the fact that, you know, having green on campus already. Um, and as you said, the, I think the connection to PGA out of Hawaii, I don't know that a lot of people really have, have made that connection, even though they're from the same place. Yeah. 
Um, so I think that that could be a lot to do with it as well. You know, my concern was obviously Georgia. And then what, when you start hearing that kind of stuff out of Georgia, that I mean, he was there, he was there quickly, and he's out of there. You know, uh, that it's odd to me that they weren't going after the number one defensive tackle harder than that. You know, it's just really odd to me. But maybe they saw the writing on the wall there that it wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen, you know. And I think that since you've seen this staff really put an emphasis on Kansas City players, you know, that, that these kids that are coming from that area around Kansas City, you've seen them go and, and really shake that up. I think one Eric, did he make it to Mizzou yet, or is he still got to make that yes. final? Yes, he okay. did Mizzou. He did Mizzou before he did Georgia. He did Mizzou like okay. he moved it from the weekend to like a Thursday, Friday, yeah. and then he flew to Atlanta Saturday, did the brother's birthday party out there, right. and then Sunday on basically before he returned, did the Georgia visit uh, on Sunday. And so yeah, he had already done. He did Mizzou because he had he he posted a picture. Kind of felt uh, like I think he, he felt yeah obligated to that to that visit which, no matter what you know which is very true i do feel like he felt an obligation to do that mm-hmm. because i mean they're close uh they probably recruited him heavy at the beginning but at the same time mm-hmm. he's also one of those players that jumped out very very fast i mean pj is funny because and i know a few people have kind of made these uh quote-unquote little jokes about some of the players he brought in like why gilmore four-star some of them have them three, depending on the recruiting sites you see. Sure. Everybody's like, oh, you know, we're going, we're three, three-star you. We're not getting all these elite players, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, there's two things. One, Williams, Winery, um, all your big-name players, McKinley, Stone, a lot of them, everybody's after them. So they actually have a lot to decide. The guys underneath them are starting to commit, but the big-name right. guys – they're everybody's trying, you know, they're throwing their name uh, in the hat on them or the schools that have decided to quit on them and going ahead and fill with other spots. That's one, two, uh, because of that. Remember PJ was a three-star when we initially gave him an offer. He was relatively unknown. And then the dude finishes as a five-star plus meaning every single recruiting site named him a five-star. That's how good he flew. Jackson Arnold was pretty low. He was in the composite right by the time it was all over with the, in the whole class, right? Number three. In the right. Exactly. Like, so these players, it's going to take time. Like we're still at the beginning of 2024. And when all these recruiting, um, uh, some players, they get on them early when they, especially when they start doing like visits and camps, some players don't do a lot of them. Don't worry. You're going to start seeing those. Some of the people that we've recruited going to move to the chart. I think Xavier Robinson is going to move up into the top 300 before the season's up. Oh, yeah. um, I can see if he does, if he, especially if he does another 2,500 yards on the ground and carry his team to the title. But yes, Maneri has been posting a lot more Missouri stuff, especially after he went and Lloyd, you're hundred percent correct. The sole mission was huge for Winery is basically what all the articles have said. So if that's the case, I'm keeping my mind on that part of the game. And so, um, Coop, who you think is going to be uh, the next one to commit? Uh, you know, I mean, David Mitchell, had, I think he has July 8th. My birthday is July 7th, so I'll take it as a, like he just forgot. And uh, so I, I'm fine with that. But, I mean – you know, I'm going to say too. Nwari uh, is that's the one I'm going with. Uh, if you look at the uh, the commit predictor on on three, uh, dude's the number three player in the country, and it, on on three, he's, it shows 80% OU and then 4% Missouri. That's it. Um, I think again, writing's on the wall. Um, 
he he's that Lee Summit, that Kansas City, that area up there. It, it's they're a lot closer than than mm-hmm. a lot of people think. I think that the Missouri posting is uh, it, it, a lot of these guys are going to throw smoke screens, right? Because yeah. uh, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, he's not going to Missouri. Yeah, that ain't happening. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he had a candid conversation with Mizzou staff and said, Hey, listen, I want to give you guys your shot. Um, I think that most of these guys that Brenton Todd Bates and Chavis are recruiting, we are not recruiting problems. We are recruiting character. Uh, We are done with the finesse. Um, And Jason was saying that earlier, we're bringing violence back in. We, we are, we are (laughs) a lot of guys who want to hit a lot of guys. You saw Lewis Carter. I'm still Lewis Carter. If you have not bought in on the Lewis Carter bandwagon this past year, he is the, he is the, the front runner for I'm bringing violence to your front door. And, uh, and and so, and a lot of these guys are, it's character. It is grit. And uh, I'm just, I'm just excited. And again, uh, Hank, you're dead, right? Uh, he, He just posted, there's a lot of negativity around Georgia right now, and they're running into that issue to where, you know, it, it's it's the optics look bad. You know, LSU getting hit with the suspension, the optics look bad. And with if if family, the sole mission, all those things are important to your your family, um, you know, oh, there's not it's not a very there's not a comparison there. I mean, it is it is two different things. So. I'll go with uh, LWN here coming in, um, and then you know I'll, I'll parlay it with little Davin Mitchell um, also, and and I think that this stuff's done in the next seven days. And yep, he's right. And Lloyd, you asked this question: Is Jamar Kane? Yeah, and you actually posted right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I've heard that. I've heard that. I think Jason. I think you mentioned this to me that. Um, I think it was you. I can't remember if it was. I do believe it was you that mentioned it, that Jamar Kane, uh, somebody mentioned that Jamar Kane did not believe that McKinley was going to end up at LSU. Um, I've heard so many stories from so many places, Jay, that I don't even – I know that <laughs> me, like his family is not good with LSU staff. That's what that's what I'm I'm hearing. And that's why Shoot, there's that's so much frustration with Texas with and with Oklahoma is because – and this is the that's the weird thing when you start talking Louisiana kids, it's a big deal for them to go to LSU, just like it's a big deal for Oklahoma kids that are that are able to go to OU. I don't think that I I don't know whether he ends up here or he ends up in 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 Austin. I don't see him ending up in Baton Rouge. I just don't see it. Yeah. And and that's wild to me, but I, I that's where it sounds like I, I just don't I don't think it's gonna happen. But it you know, you were talking about the soul mission coop, and I think that that has so much more to do with this than everybody really thinks. And 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 Hank, you hit it right on the head there too, talking about when parents start seeing this stuff that there's you know allegate <clears throat> allegations. Now, I will say just like what Josh Pate was saying the other night, allegations that got dropped, a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to sit here and bash on Georgia just to do it, um, right? But the optics do not look good. They do not look good over there. And when you start hearing this over and over again, they definitely have a drag racing problem. And that turned into – and that, to me, the fact that that kid got away with that and you had two people from that team die, one of them being a, a you know a GA and one being a player, that's insane to me that he gets – all he got out of that was a misdemeanor you know deal. A, a, a person loses their life and at least one person in that – in those vehicles was drunk and this is it 
you know, national championships be damned. That's crazy to me. You know, that is crazy to me. And so yeah, it's wild. I think that, again, I do think that they have an optics problem. I'm not going to sit there and badmouth Kirby to the point that, because I don't know enough to say that that isn't, nothing's going on. But I don't know that there's not, there's not something, there is something going on because shit, you can't, everybody that you talk to or you hear about it, that, you know, they've had at least four or five different times where the cops have been involved in these drag raising incidents. And then, you know, the last one, of course, being, you know, tragic, but. I just think that it's something that, that they have to get figured out. And, and I would agree. I think Coop, you're, you're right. You, you start looking at it. Parents are going to be like, eh, I like this old mission a little more, you know, we don't <laughs> so much right now as we need to make sure that this, that our kids stays healthy, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it, it's not just the Justin Broyles of the world that are on the soul mission. You got NFL players. And so they can, you know, you, you, you that's what you're offering these kids is, you're looking at Stone, Nigel Smith, uh, McKinley, uh, Nwari, and you're saying like, you know that we are, you're here for three years and then we're going to prepare you for life. But you also have guys like Curtis Lofton who led the NFL in tackles one year. Um, these guys are going to help you along the way. And then you've got GMAC who's not even on the team or sole mission or anything else. And he's always around the program and McCoy's going to be helping people out. And this guy is, you know, consistently getting invited back as one of like the, the Tampa Bay greats. Um, so, again, when you recruit your own problems and when you have to go after, um, you know, top end talent, at some point you got to say, like, we got to walk away from this person or that person. Um, but uh, and, and not to make light of it, but just the drag racing. And, and when I think of Georgia, I think of Atlanta. And I, just, I, I don't think I've driven the speed limit in Atlanta. So I don't know where they're doing this racing at. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the same question, too, man. To be honest, I figure out where, where it's happening. And Kenny make a good point here, too. You also got that defensive lineman that struck one of the coaches uh, at Alabama. Y'all heard about that? That's Nothing so, to see here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a, so D-Lyman hit the portal. Um, buddy of mine hit me up on it and was like, hey, man, you think we would go after him? And then I think I hit up PG, and I think I hit up Chris as well. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, he's a big boy, 310 pounds. Man, you know, it'd be something. And then I heard the rumor. I was like, wait, wait, wait. He did what? He yeah. struck He struck a cup? Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It, that's not. No, we're not. No. Sounds like Texas A&M to me. We're not, we're not yeah. taking him. That, that, that's not even a take. Trust me, as, as, close, soul, baby. as close as Bob and Brent are, I promise you, that's the com- that's one of the main conversations that, that Brent and Bob had right from the get-go is like, you can bring somebody here. You know, we did it with uh, the, the Beckham, who's the, the, the tall wide receiver out of Missouri. He had a lot of issues in Missouri. Yeah, uh, you know, Beckham we know that. Yeah, uh, DGB. Yeah, yeah DGB. One yeah. of the craziest follows ever. But um, and then you know, uh, <laughs> Bob Bob left the sport early because of just the entire mixing situation, and he's telling him like, you don't you don't want to deal with this because it is twenty four seven, twelve months, and it'll never go away. Yep, exactly. Chris, thoughts? Uh, no, I mean the Georgia stuff is is it's wild to hear. Uh, one of the things I would definitely say is that they're still going to get the the benefit of the doubt because winning cures a lot of stuff. And, you know, especially when you are able to put 
put people in the league, they're going to give you a little bit more of a leash, right? But he yep. is going to have to get 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 the reins back on, on this. And I think you saw that with some of these players, um, you know, quietly leaving, exiting. Um, Bear, Bear Alexander being the, you know, kind of the face of it as well. Um, it's one of those things that, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm thankful that we have made it to July and OU has not had any news because for past no couple news. of years – no, it's been a lot in there. Knockwood, knockwood. Yeah, knockwood, knockwood. Because I mean, you know, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, "Look, I, I, I am pleased." Whoever was watching this, if you're a Texas fan or if you are an SEC homer, right? Do not take what I, I say out of context, please. I don't, I don't think that we beat LSU in that national championship game, but I can tell you this. Um, you know, having having us uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Perk there or whatnot, that would have helped, you know, going into that next year. What would it have been like if we would have had, you know, damn near, shoot, if we would have had Kennedy Brooks, we would have been all right. But having Ramondre, you saw the difference at running back uh, that he made whenever he came back, you know, then, um, you know, we still, nobody knows exactly what Trajan Bridges would have actually been. But I know that when he was on the field, he seemed to be a, a bit electric. He was always high energy and 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 doing the right thing. So, um, you know, it, it's a lot of what ifs, right? But like I'm saying, though, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you're just thankful that you know you're not hearing OU players in uh, in a, in a similar situation because you know it wasn't it wasn't too long ago that we were dealing with a lot of this stuff too, and it was really boneheaded stuff. That was going on. Don't get me wrong. Drag racing is one thing, but you know, beating up people for um, uh, beating up people in a state where marijuana is, you know, is legal in some instances, still doesn't make that much sense to me. No, not at all. But you know, people are kind of um, <clears throat> they wild guys. They wild. All right, man, this is fun. This was this is, was good stuff. We actually went a whole hour already. Um, if y'all want to stick around, I got one more fun topic to talk about. Let's go ahead and jump right into it then. So this was interesting to me. 24-7 pulled up top 10 quarterbacks QBR-wise from uh, Pro Football Focus's numbers, right? Uh, uh, actually, no, this is just QBR. And QBR-wise, you had Jalen Daniels as the number one player coming back with a pretty good you know, number here. Yeah, at like ninety something, you've got Bo Nix, you got Caleb, you got Jordan Travis, Cameron Rising, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Frank Harris, JJ McCarthy, as well as KJ Jefferson. Out of this ten, who y'all think is gonna be the best? Coop, I'm gonna start with you. Who's gonna have the best season next year? You know, I'm gonna answer this question. But I want to congratulate Bo Nix for being on a list of great quarterbacks uh, because I don't know how he continues to do this. I it's it's I, I I'm just I'm blown away. Like it uh, it I don't I don't know I don't know. I mean, it, listen, guys, Caleb Williams, you're gonna see tanking in the NFL for Caleb Williams. That's that that's gonna happen. Drake May, I like what he did last year. He slowed it a little bit towards the end of the year last year. I want to see what he's uh, – I want to see if he can follow it up because 
Um, you know, there, there was the the Hal kid here previous. He went into his last year with a ton of hype also, and mm-hmm. it didn't pan out. Like, it, you know, again, he, he ended up in, as like fourth, fifth round draft pick and uh, Sam Hal. And so I, I, I want to see, you know, I, I want to see somebody else in KJ, JJ, you know, none of these kids scare me. Cam Rising's will, um, this guy deserved to play under uh, Brent Venables because his will to win and his oh. his gumption, I, I, I'm very, very, very impressed by Cam. But it, it is Caleb Williams, and then there's a little bit of a gap. We'll see what George Travis can do. You know, again, when you're throwing up to a 6'6 monster who could just, you know, moss everybody, uh, your QBR goes up a little bit. That's true. Jason, what you looking at with this? We're going to talk big 12 quarterbacks next before we wrap it up. Okay. First thing, well played on the Bo Nix thing. Love that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, dude, I, I look at this list, and, and the one guy that jumps out at me is Cam Rising. I love Cam Rising, man. This dude is an alpha male. It, he loves it. I keep thinking about that Pac-12 championship game whenever he got mocked. I mean, the helmet flies off, everything. He got hit so hard. And the first thing he does is pop up, look at the camera on the sideline, and smile. You know, it looked like he was looking at Lincoln. But it was, it, you know, it, man, that was real. That was real. And to go out there and do the things, he's, I don't – there's things that are more important to me than QBR, things like that. I, you know, those, those things are nice little things to look at or whatever. But when you got a guy that's going to go out there and you know he's going to give you every bit of what he has – to win that football game. I love that guy. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. was another one of those guys that we, you know, watched. I know Chris and I were talking about him a lot. There was a, a thought about if DG didn't hang around that they may be going to go after him pretty hard. Um, I like him a lot as well. Uh, but I, I still, to me, looking at this list, and Drake May, we're going to find out, you know, without Phil Longo, is he going to be the same? I think build-wise he looks, he looks great. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the Big 12, so I won't get into Jalen Daniels just yet. I, I do think he's unbelievable. Um, but but I still, uh, looking at this list, the guy that jumps out at me, aside from Caleb, obviously, being the Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy winner and a guy that we know very well, is Cam Rising. And Cam's beaten him twice. Okay. So, you know. That's true. Chris, looking at these quarterbacks, top tens, who's the one jumps out to you for this coming season? Um. One that jumps out to me the most, uh, I would say honestly, I, I, I would start at six and seven. I think that uh, you know, if it, if you told me this was the Big Twelve rankings, I say yeah, you know, you got it right. I think that Jalen Daniels possibly, uh, it, you know, is the the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. But you know, this is QBR wise, and I mean, I'll just leave it at that. I think that this some of these kids they uh, have put up some really gaudy numbers. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. just say this, you know, Bo picks. Right. Um, not necessarily worried about him. Um, I think Jordan Travis, I think Jordan Travis is a good uh, is, is a good quarterback, but I, I'm, I'm eager to see what what he does this year. You know, a lot of Heisman talk around him uh, this year, being a Heisman hopeful. Um, I think Drake May is I think Drake May is what the NFL. He's the prototypical NFL quarterback. He's what they yeah. want not only with just the intangibles, but the look as well. Take that however you want it. Um, I think Michael Penix Jr. is a really good quarterback as well. But like I said, I'm always scared about him because he's had two ACL tears. And, yeah. you know, it's – it's there's a lot to ask whenever you got, you know, high-caliber athletes just flying around, you know, one good hit and that's it, right? You know, yeah. so 
that's the only thing that I'm really scared about. But like I said, I was starting six and seven just because I really like what Washington did. Washington had a lot of, you know, we'll be physical when we have to be, but we're going to open this up. We're, we're going to air it out a whole bunch. We're going to take shots whenever we can. Um, yeah, I, I think that obviously don't let this list fool you. I think Caleb Williams will be right in the mix again for um, for the Heisman. I think that his numbers are going to be insane this year with uh, Lincoln, especially being in that third year, that final year with Lincoln. It, 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 he should just be able to elevate them. I, don't get me wrong, Dorian Singer or whatever the case may be, um, Mario Williams, I don't think that they have like, you know, the Jordan Addison or the CD Lambs or guys like that, that that superstar wide out that, you know, Lincoln has had. But I just think mm-hmm. that with everybody being in year two of the system and then Caleb being that guy, you know, you're going to see guys step up like they did in the um, game. Well, game against Tulane to down the stretch, right? But um, yeah, I'll let you go on, but I will say this right here. Uh, I think the most interesting name on there, honestly, is Frank Harris. Frank Harris is a damn good quarterback, man. Yes, he is, man. Um, yeah, UTSA, they, yeah. They, they, you know, don't get me wrong, they ended up getting beat, you know, pretty handily by Texas last year. But at the same time, man, they kept that game interesting for a while. For a long time, they right? Just, yeah, they, they were just a couple of plays, a couple of bad plays away from, honestly, you know, keeping some drives alive and being able to do some things. They couldn't really capitalize whenever they got to the red zone, but man, that it, Frank Harris is a pretty damn good uh, quarterback. He's the guy that uh, obviously went under the radar, went to UTSA. Don't get me wrong. Uh, trailer out there is, is a is really good recruiter, really good coach. But mm-hmm. I mean, Frank Harris is a guy that, you know, hell, if he's at North Dakota state right now, probably got a couple of national championships and you're talking about him being a high draft pick this year. Right. So that's true. And that's I think a good point with that with that game that you're talking about. It looked like they kind of ran out of gas a little bit. You know, that's where yeah. that kind of came into play a little bit when it came to that Texas game. But um, one other thing I wanted to say on on here about uh, looking at Frank Harris and then obviously Jordan Travis and stuff. A lot of these guys, you start looking at them, and yeah, Bo Picks. That was a funny one too. They're Okay, Chris, man, I like that. But uh, it's it's funny to me how nobody's and nobody's really talked anything about, you know, Coach Prime's son. This kid comes in. Shadour Sanders, yeah. Shadour Sanders. I know that he hasn't done it at the Division One level just yet. But when you look at what he has, you know, look at him throwing balls. That, that He throws dimes. You know, he throws dimes, and he's got that athletic ability to be able to move around and do things. And we know that in the college game, that mobile quarterback that can that can spin it is important. And I think that you're going to see some things out of him this year that it's he'll definitely be on this list next year. I don't know about the QBR part of it, but I really think this guy is going to shock some people because nobody's really talking about him yet. And he's got, with Sean Lewis being the offensive coordinator there, Got one of the best. That's one of the best offensive minds in the country. Period, and you know Shador has access to him. I, I like this guy. Oh no, I'm I, I'm with you too. Shador is one I'm a lot higher on than most. Hell, Shador was a four star quarterback coming in. You know, as right. a recruit, he was top two hundred in the country. So he's got talent. We just got to see. You know, if he has, he, if he can he can put it all together with that coaching staff, in which I do think he can there. But when I looked at this list, the name that jumped out to me the most was honestly Jalen Daniels being up there. He can stay healthy, man. He's going to be a threat. Right. He was the, that was one of the teams I was nervous about us going up to play. 
uh, this coming season just because I've seen Jalen Daniels go out there and carry a team by himself. But surprisingly, there's about five quarterbacks on here that, I mean, actually are pretty darn good. Like, I like K.J. Jefferson. I think, Chris, no, I don't know if he was actually on like the KJ. SEC Connect with us when we talked about K.J., but if K.J. stays healthy, Arkansas' schedule is built for them to win 10 games this year. This could save Sam Pittman right here if he goes if they go out there. They've got a very favorable schedule based upon traveling. J.J. McCarthy, they're going to, of course, Michigan's going to do their thing. Between Michael Penix and, and Drake May, Drake May was already one of a lot of people's favorites. And I really liked him as a redshirt freshman. He's going to be really good this coming season. Cam Rising's out there with a chip on his shoulder, which we all appreciate. Florida State is doing things right. But Jaden Daniels, and of course, you know, Caleb's going to be Caleb. I, I, he's going to be in the Heisman run as usual unless he gets hurt. But Jalen Daniels is the one that jumped out to me. I'm just like, oh. That's actually impressive that his QBR was that high. But when you go into the Big 12 quarterbacks, these are your highest graded returning quarterbacks in the Big 12. You have Dylan Gabriel at 87. Uh, what's that? John Rise Plumley over at UCF at 80. And uh, Chance Nolan at 79. He played at Oregon State last year. He's now going to be at TCU. Jalen Daniels is fourth at 78 grade. And then fifth is Blake uh, Shapin coming in for Baylor where, and this where's Chance Nolan going did he go to Houston uh, no he's at a TCU uh, he's a horn frog he left he left Oregon State and he's a horn frog hmm. now uh, yeah yeah TCU's got <laughs> so this is what's fascinating about this here right is that so this is this is pro football focuses this is their metric and it basically goes into type of passes you make um you know there's like so many metrics they have when it comes to putting together their grades for each game. And Dylan Gabriel's one of the highest graded people on their list. And usually your high graded guys are the ones that they say potentially going pro. And I think he was actually top 10 in the country for PFF. I'm going to pull it up and uh, remind myself, but he had a actually a really good year. Looking at the big 12. I mean, who did y'all not see on here? Uh, we don't see, we don't see a uh, certain uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. Where is he at? Sure don't. Where They'll is tell he you at? he was young and he was a freshman. Don't let him. Huh? What is he doing? Say no, that no. again. Oh, I just said they'll they'll tell you that he he was a freshman last year and that he he was injured and this and that that and this you know the same excuses they didn't they didn't make for um uh what was his name Casey Thompson when he was there until he <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit insane. No, hey, if we can, let's break down these these uh, these quarterbacks right here. So, um, Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, we talked enough. I think some of us, Jay, um, are 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 really drinking a lot of the Kool Aid. Some of us are kind of like, hey, look, let me get a let me get a let me get a little cup. You know what I'm saying? To go, I'll be back for more if it's good. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, it's just you want accuracy. You want uh, him not to be inconsistent in just certain game situations. Game, oh, uh, uh, it, it, look, like I, I'll just leave it there because I know I, I'm not going to have a course uh, with me today. But I'll say this right here: John Rice Promley. Um, to me, I think you've seen him before. You faced him before. Uh, the West Virginia quarterback last year. He's a better passer than than that kid at West Virginia. But he's a guy that you know a few years ago. He was supposed to take over at Ole Miss. He had that. He had that one game against Alabama where he just basically torched them and shredded them. Um, 
it's been pretty much up and down, obviously, on the transfer. Gus Malzahn's offense is is when it's clicking, it clicks. It's a very gadgety offense. It is very twist and turn, keep you on the edge, keep you kind of off balance. But at the same time, he's a guy that I feel like, you know, if that game comes down to – if this not a blowout, I think that game is going to come down to uh, basically what you saw against West Virginia last year or even a Baylor where they're just going to try to run – or like a Texas Tech where they're trying to do a lot of QB runs, telegraphing it, and it's kind of up to you to stop it, right, to read the gap, uh, go through the right gaps, all the rest of that. Um, Chance Nolan, um, you know, one of those quarterbacks that, uh, you know, the little engine that could, that could almost, right? Like, you know, Oregon State was was in a lot of games last year. They were they were really, I mean, they had a damn good year last year by, by any means, but I don't necessarily know if I'm worried about him because I think um, uh, Morris down there at TCU, I think he's the guy. I think he would have been this guy, been the guy last year if he would have never got injured, but you know, that is what it is. Jalen Daniels, obviously, we all think he's great. I don't necessarily know if he's injury prone. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured this year and he can play a full season and um, uh, get that look back against Texas, right? And then Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin is one of the most – he's one – he's more frustrating than Dylan Gabriel to me because there's <laughs> where he comes out there and there are a few drives he'll put together where you're just like, I mean, there he goes. Oh, so that's what they saw. And then there's games where you're just like, man, this it's a bit different because he is trying to play so safe. And, you know, coming into the season, it was, well, he's going to air it out now. He's going to be able to be more accurate down the field. And you didn't see that last year. And it wasn't like they had a lack of lack of talent around him. It's just I, I don't know. I think it was a lot to do with up here than it was just with his his intangible. No, I mean, you got a good point there. And looking as we dive into this list here, man, I'm I've I've been in the camp with Dylan Gabriel and and Seth has said it good. This is this this is basically where I've been Absolutely. with it. Is that do we need DG to be is DG as good as Baker, Murray, Rattler? No, I don't think he's at their level. But I do don't think we need him to be that good. We just need him to continue to do his crisp passes and stay accurate and get better at his accuracy. I mean, he's not perfect. I've criticized him enough, but at the same time, I've also given him a little leeway because I've seen with some of the situations, when you watch the film, our biggest complaints were, man, it's like five touchdowns that was just dropped. And it's like like right in the hands. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. So you know, Marvin had three of them. I, and I, I exactly, and he got drafted. So, uh, yeah. but my point behind it is that I know that DG can just make it happen. And the good thing is, the score wise, like I said, this includes scrambling, this includes passes. It, 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 it's a full metric of the entire running, the entire offense for that. And Dylan Gabriel, when I looked at it, he was he's top fifteen in the country returning out of all the players in the country when it comes to this metric. When I went through and looked at the list, so he's. He's going to be good enough for us, and we'll be preparing for Jackson Arnold to play. He should see some game this year as well as even better next year. So Jackson Arnold's going to be stupid going into the, the SEC, so I'm stoked. But it is funny, though, that we didn't – we don't have – because when I looked at Quinn Ewer's numbers, Quinn was graded uh, – ooh, I don't see, even see him in this list. He's, He's uh, what 172 for two, uh, 172 out of 296, 2,100 yards – 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, and no returning Bijan Robinson. 
Yep, he's ranked at 151st on the list. He was a 72. He was a score of a 72.4 on it, a 70 in pass, and 59 on the run. And so, yeah, grade-wise, he just wasn't that guy. Got to throw a shot at Texas, guys. We, we You know, we love our <laughs> Texas people that pull up. But you know we're going to pop up pew, pew, at one of y'all for that. But, all right, um, good stuff. Anybody, what you got, Jason, on these quarterbacks? And then Coop, we'll wrap it up with you. About that. Yeah, and I've said this a lot on my show and stuff, and but we don't do a lot of that. We're, I don't like this DG catching strays all the time. I think once he got hurt and you realized what you had behind him, then you had – his accuracy went down a little bit because they kept him in the pocket so much. And when it, no, he's not Baker, but with the same kind of build, and if you listen to what Baker said about him this past week when he was there – he was saying that he really liked him. I think mm-hmm. that in order for DG to be effective, you've got to move him out of the pocket or move the pocket, I should say. Do something to let him be running around on his feet making plays because if you get him to where he's just standing there in the pocket and the, and all the trees are coming in around him, yeah, it's not going to be good for him. He's not the biggest guy in the world. So I think that it's easy to, it's easy to take shots at the guy. But again – 124 out of 131 on defense, it didn't matter. The fact that they were in close games at all is is crazy to me. The, you know what I mean? It, they were number 50, top 15 in the country. They were in all these close games. And when you've got that kind of defense, they shouldn't have been in those games. You know, so right. I think it's easy to take shots at him because we know he's not Caleb Williams. And we just had – we watched what Caleb Williams did, you know, out in at SC. And we had seen what he had done at Oklahoma – right before that. So it, it's it's a tough situation for him, but I think that you better be hoping that he stays upright this year because you don't want to insert somebody earlier than you have to. And, you know, I think that it's good to know that you've got Jackson Arnold waiting in the wings. Yeah, it's good to know that you got him and you don't have all the excuses that you had around the Texas game. Look, like I said, man, I, I think I think Gabriel – don't get me wrong. There there were three things that happened last year for Gabriel. Injuries, drops, and sometimes just poor game management, to be honest with you. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily on him. That's on the coaches, you know. Yes, it is. We come out there and it's just three and out, three and out. And then obviously, yeah, when you're already on your heels as a defense and you're not playing your best ball and, you know – one game here, two game. You put put together a two game stretch, and then you go out there and start making the same mistakes. Where um, you know you're not sustaining drives, you're not getting two or three first round first downs. You're going out there and three and out, three and out, three and out, and you're putting the defense right back on the field. That's why you get into a game like you did with with Kansas this past year, where it's kind of a high scoring game simply because defense is out there, defense is out there, you know, and. Um, you know, because that game right there kind of started off like, okay, well, I, I guess this is going to be it. Got some stops. And then, you know, we started kind of doing some things uh, to ourselves as far as turnovers and just, you know, things like that. I think I think where it's crucial to me, for me, is just that, you know, a game where your defense is showing what you said, Jason, like at, at K-State, I think that's a prime example. A game like that where um, – You had to be perfect. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's you kind you can't beat yourself. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that defense obviously could not stop the motion that they kept running with their uh with their tight end and with, with their fullback as for those little five yard out routes. I mean they would just run across mm-hmm. your face and just getting five yard out route routes, turn those into 15, 20 yard plays. 
Um, you know, guy, the, the tight end sitting in the middle. We couldn't, we couldn't cover the middle on the zone. Hell, we was playing zone at some points, and guy sitting right there and still couldn't do anything. Right? He even right. got a third and twenty-seven freaking but, run. But at the same, <laughs> you know? yeah, that that's crazy too. But at the same time, you know, you got to be. I, I get that that um, you know Stoops isn't Drake Stoops isn't the tallest wide receiver or whatnot, but. On those out routes where he's clearly open and he's beating this guy. On those routes with with guys like uh, Marvin Mims, you know, there was a pass in the corner. Guy, he's running, he's running pretty much open and he has to step. Uh, DB is over him, but if you throw that right there on the money, it's probably a touchdown. It's plays yeah. like that right there where you got to go and win. It's not yeah. necessarily because, like I said, we could talk about numbers. We're going to talk about numbers. Go talk about Landry Jones being arguably the greatest uh, quarterback to ever come through OU. But at the same time, when you're talking about the game being on the line and, and not being able to capitalize and make those plays that, I, for me, I expect Dylan Gabriel to do. I think Dylan Gabriel is arguably top three quarterback in the Big 12 right now, today. Oh, yeah. And I don't think he's number three. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, okay. I, I just, but, but like I said, to go out there and show me that you're the best to show me that you do, do deserve to play in this P five right. conference or whatever, those games right there, when the game is on the line and you got to go make a play, especially last year, outside of Eric Gray, who was, a, who was the other best player on the team? I mean, offensively, honestly, it was Dylan Gabriel, right. you know, Marvin Mims, Marvin Mills was Marvin Mills, let's be honest with you, but it was really yeah. those two who kind of had it going, you know? Yeah. But like I said, he's got to hit hit guys on those plays that matter, those crucial plays. Sometimes, it, and I would and I would say this, is that one of the things that I had a problem with DG on is holding the damn ball too long. There were times that, you know, he'd give up a sack. You cannot get a coverage sack, man. You got to get that ball out or run. Go ahead and take off. You know, uh, if, if there was anything that, you know, and and I mean, he wasn't perfect. We all know he wasn't perfect. But when I think that, when I think of that K that K State game, I think about, you know, look, he he goes down right after that third and twenty seven. They they get that first down. They score what two plays later, and he immediately drives Oklahoma down the field and gets right back in the game again. So that would have mm-hmm. been a game winning touchdown otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so right. It's, it's one of those deals where you gotta, you know, oh man, and. And you look at the play, I, re- I can think of that that last play that when Adrian gets in the end zone, I mean, Stutzman was in the wrong hole again. You know, it's, it's, it's in the wrong, you're in the wrong gap again, bro. You know, and right. it was like that all damn year. Same thing with Baylor. You know, it's it's just one of those things that you saw too much of that. And, and I agree that, you know, it's like I said, I know I take up for him a lot, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they just didn't have a lot of depth there. Once he did get hurt, I know that, they could not afford to get him hurt anymore. So you stop yeah. rolling out to the left side or rolling out either way and, and getting better throwing lanes for himself. You know what I mean? Until yeah, the offense got a lot more hesitant at that point. It made sense. It was a logical move. You don't want to lose the quarterback, especially in the situation that we were in. And so we talk ad nauseum about defending DG, but I think that's a good conversation because a lot of people do need to hear it. Uh, we had levels of problems. And the best part about going into this season is think about it this way. And we're going to go on to the last topic that I want to revert back to what Coop mentioned earlier and wrap this bad boy up with that because it'll be a great five to 10-minute conversation. Remember this. All the players that came in last, when we started last season, everybody was brand new, learning all new systems on both sides of the ball. 
this coming season, only the new people need to learn this system because we're running the exact same system for everybody that's already here. And we ain't got to worry about that. That's going to make things fun. So let's wrap it up this, put a bow on it. Coop, you mentioned this earlier in the show, and I thought this was a very good topic, but I wanted to hold it to it, to give it its own opportunity to really air out and talk about. And then Seth posted this, which sparked it at the perfect time. Do we flip any defensive guys if our defense is legit this year? But we're going to expand that to the question you asked, Coop. If we were 9-3 and three and not 6-7, and seven, does our recruiting look any different this year? And we go, we win 10 games this season. What does recruiting look like going into the SEC? Let me open with this. I don't think our recruiting changes if we went nine and three besides going six and seven this year. And I say that for one reason, because we're going after a lot of high profile defensive players. And because we're going after such high profile defensive players, they haven't committed anywhere else anyway. So I don't think that they're questioning where they want to go. I think we're just like we talked about before. Our staff is stopping them from committing immediately because they're also doing visits. If you notice a lot of these other players that have committed to these schools, the one thing you may notice about them is they're still doing visits. Like they're constantly, they're still going places. You see the wide receiver for Ohio State and Miami and Florida State all the time. So, oh, is he going to flip? Is Georgia going to get him? You see that so much. It's like, okay, does that bother you more to see a guy that you got committed, go see a goal a bunch of places and everybody asks the question, would they flip? Or would you prefer to wait and see if they commit? And then when they commit, you never hear about them again. Ask that to the audience to post in the chat and tell me what your thoughts on that. Coop, let's go to yours. You mentioned this first. What, 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 what were you thinking with that question? So, yeah, I mean, I think that if we go nine and four last year, um, we are looking at um, we don't have to explain last year at all. Now, that being said, I don't think it's that as big of a deal as a lot of people do because it goes beyond one. I mean, look at Texas. Texas has been dog crap for how long? And they've been back for 37 years and they're still pulling guys every single year. So mm-hmm. uh, NIL is a bigger piece, um, but track track record is a bigger piece. Um, he, here's what I think for this year is we just threw those quarterbacks up there and there's nothing there, right? Our first year in the SEC, we're going to be facing a lot of first time quarterbacks there also. So our defense has got a little non-conference game action for the next two years to really butter up and gain some confidence. And, and, and I can promise you this is I, I think that everybody in the, everybody in the system for a second year, you've got your leadership like uh, Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman, um, you know, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, you got all these guys who are in a second year, you're in, you're, you're in, influxing in, uh, they saw McCullough, um, you know, PJ, there's some uh, you know, Gentry Williams. I'm hearing looks like a freaking stud right now too. So we, our defense is going to set us up for something pretty spe- spectacular and don't, you know, again, Alabama coming to Norman, I don't know what Alabama is going to look like a quarterback this year. And I don't think they do either. Um, so there's going to be a lot of questions, um, a lot of new, a lot of new, a lot of new. So I think this is, I think that if, if, if our, 
if I had to guess, and again, I it, full full disclosure, I sat in here and said I see us going, you know, winning ten wins last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like we have we don't have a lot that scares me from the quarterback and the offensive perspective in the Big Twelve this year. And so our defense is going to take multiple steps up. We're going to see the uh, the backfield is going to look stronger than it has in quite a long time if mm-hmm. if, the, if things slide in. in. Um, our, our defensive line is starting to get, uh, you know, uh, some, some recognition too. So, uh, we are going to have a great year. And, uh, I think that we are going to start turning some heads here lower and later in the year. Also, if people start taking a look over and going, Oh, so Todd Bates didn't forget how to have you know, coach defense. Brent Venables didn't forget how to do. De- okay. Okay, cool. So, and uh, now I, I think a lot of it has to do with Danny Stutzman really, really recognizing that that quarter of an inch to the left meant something. And uh, I know that was a big conversation at some point. Yes, it was. Chris. Um, you know, to your question, I believe your question was, uh, can we flip some defense? So, if we have a good year defensively, is there a chance we start flipping defensive players? That was Seth's question. Yeah, adding I, I, to that kind of what Coop mentioned earlier on if we had a better record, do we think recruiting accelerates this year in which I say no, because I think that just high profile players, they don't. But I think that if we have a good double digit season this year, mm-hmm. it may accelerate some others in 25. But first off, do you think we yeah. flip people with our defense? Yeah. Really I mean, you could, I got you. I got you. You could, um, I mean, Peyton Pierce is probably still on the table. If you can actually go out there and show them what you need to do. Um, I know my, me and my uncle, we talked about that a while ago. I think that he would be probably the one name, but at the same time, I think that uh, it bodes well going into the 25 class, but also the in-between, you know, late in that 20 and the 24 class as well. I mean, I think you start seeing them pick up guys that other people just slept on, like the Colton Vasics, um, Taylor Wins, you know, not, not Colton Vasics, but the Taylor Wins. You get what I'm saying? Because – yeah. If you're able to get those those type of kids or whatever on campus, I mean, you're doing something. But uh, definitely think it bodes well. I think that um, especially these kids who are going to uh, commit, you know, late September, um, I think those kids or, or whatever will feel a lot more confident knowing that, you know, OU is, okay, 5-0, and but looks like a damn good 5-0 uh, uh, going into, you know, the Red River game. Um, so, for me, I think it's all about going out there and winning 10 plus games, honestly, just showing that, hey, you know, there's faith in this team, faith in the uh, in the coaching staff and just, you know, faith in the administration as well. I mean, OU is, is always going to be on to bigger and better things, but you want to have things trending in the right in the right direction going to the SEC. So it's a must for sure. It's a must for everybody, not only the fans, not only the coaches, but also, you know, uh, not even the recruits, but also the players that you got inside as well, just to know that, you know, hey, look, we're one step away from, you know, really turning this into something. But yeah. I definitely think, um, you know, Peyton Pierce would be a guy that I think that you could possibly go back and, and, and talk to. Don't think necessarily with like Sammy Brown, um, the West Coast, guys like that. But I do think like a Peyton Pierce, you could possibly go back and say, hey, you know, look, this is what we're doing. This is how deep we are, but this is where we see you at. Uh, how you fit into that, you know, um, if if OU goes out there and does what they need to do, I mean, I think you lose Stutzman and then um, you kind of, you know, 
kind of start circling the wagon with guys as far as, you know, not the Lewis Carter, Sammy, uh, however you say his last name. I'm a seagull. Seagull, uh, you know, uh, Phil, um, Kip Lewis, guys like that, Shane Whittier, you know, you start kind of seeing, okay, who's staying, who's shuffling, all the rest of that stuff because you're going to have some dogs that come in um, and it could potentially come in. So, yeah, like I said, I think I think you see that. I think it bodes well for us, but not necessarily thinking that we can see a huge, uh, like a, a big number, hell, even three flips, but I think that you could see poss- potentially one or two at least. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, and 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 Jimmy, I, I want Braden Pratt as well. If we can't flip like Pierce or even go after Sammy Brown, you know, I don't, I don't, I think Brown's kind of lost. I think it's one of the. He was always a Clemson guy anyway. He was a Clemson guy with BB there as well as Dabo, and he spent a lot mm-hmm. of time there as a kid. So that was a tough one. That was a long shot. We was hoping for the opportunity up, but you know, it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 Jason. With the record and everything, man, wrap us up. I think we've said this a few times. Uh, I know you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit, Jay, but I almost almost feel like six and seven and that three-game losing streak in there may have helped Oklahoma get some of the guys in this class, in the 23 class, right? Right. Because they knew – if you start listening to kind of what Makari was saying and you heard the same thing from Samuel Omosijo, was that that's when they kind of – it seemed to really – galvanize that group you know uh, as far Mm -hmm. as being a together group because they knew that they were going to have to come in and be a big part of this this season right away so I think it almost helped a little bit doing that now as far as this year coming up I don't think that that's going to be the case again because you have those guys there now and you've gotten some of these guys in the portal I think that the you're going to want to see I think that these kids probably want to see them uh, take that next step, right, and get better. You know, be in the top fifty, top seventy at least at the worst. You know, be in the top seventy right. this this year. I think if you just see them go in there, win that nine games at the floor, which I feel like more and more, I still you know like what Coop was just saying, ten wins is is easily attainable with this schedule. You know, and I think that anything anything short of nine is probably going to be looked at as as a disappointment, right? Uh, I just think that that's that's kind of how I feel at this point. But I think that last year, had they had they won ten games or nine games, you know, in in his first season, maybe you don't get all those kids, you know, because there's you know, and 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 I, Chris, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, does Danny Stutzman come back, you know, or is he in the draft? You know what I mean? That's 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 a good point. Maybe he isn't. Um, but I think that it. Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of difference between what you saw this past season. I think that that helped get some of these big time players. Whereas next year they're gonna some of those guys are probably gonna want to see that you can take that next step or whatever. And I think defensively they're gonna look a thousand percent different. They already have, you know. I just think yeah. that, I think it's gonna be a lot better. I can see that. I can see that. And I, and I honestly, winning cures a lot. We've seen that before. Uh, we've got a lot of time to go with uh, recruiting. And so we're going to wrap it up. We've already gone way past what I normally do, but we appreciate y'all pulling up, watching us here on YouTube. We appreciate y'all listening to us uh, on um, wherever podcasts are downloaded and listen to. You know where to find everybody. We're here all the time. We're like a big family. And so we'll wrap it up. Jason, let the people know where they can find you. 
Hall of Fame College Football Podcast. It's at uh, CFB-Pod on YouTube. Uh, you can find us at hofmedia.us online, and that'll pretty much take you to the rest of them as well. So, yeah, or at just on, on Twitter, at BirdieManDub. Sweet, Chris. Let the people know. Hey, Horns Down Podcast on Twitter. You can find us at the Horns Down Pod. Chris with a K on Twitter as well. Uh, find us on all, you know, YouTube, obviously all the podcast uh, platforms or whatnot. Uh, definitely check us out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Coop is always here with me. And so thank you all for pulling up here to the Sooner or Later Sports Show. Please hit the like button and subscribe as well as the bell notification if you want to join the YouTube family. Memberships are available starting at a field goal, $2.99 if you want to get extra content as well as priority in the chat and all of that. Please feel free to join the family. I'm going to probably do like a Saturday morning live stream during the season just for members uh, to kind of hang out and talk about it. So doing that extra content is going to be fun, but it's a great way to support the channel. You don't ever have to, to join the membership, but it's always a good way if you want to do something extra for us. And if you're listening, rate us, review us, give us five stars and think we deserve it. Just give us five anyway, and uh, we'll chop it up with y'all in a few days. Take it easy. Yeah.